Welcome to Bible Story Time with Mimi. Tonight, I am reading with... Benjamin and Avery. Benjamin. And I'm Avery. And this is Benjamin. Hi. And we are going to be reading The Evergreen Wood, an adaptation of The Pilgrim's Progress for Children by Alan and Linda Perry, published by Thomas Nelson Publishers. Tonight we're starting in Chapter 3. Christopher felt so happy he sung a little song to himself. My burden's gone now, I am free. New life has been given me. Strength to win the race ahead. Eyes to see where I should tread. Help me, help to guide me through the day lest I stumble on my way. Just as he had sung this, however, he very nearly fell upon three sleeping hares. Can you see them there? They're Mm -hmm. bunnies, aren't they? Yep. Loafer, lounger, and lazy bones, who were stretched out across the pathway. Their feet were shackled together with irons. Wake up, Christopher cried urgently. Why are you sleeping in the daytime? The three's hairs stirred. Why don't you ask the white lamb to set you free? Continued the mouse. (sighs) What lamb? Yawned Loafer. Oh, just a little more rest, sighed Lounger. (sighs) Let well enough alone, drawled Lazy Bones. Then all three rolled over and fell asleep again. Christopher went on his way. As he went, a pair of weasels came tumbling over the wall onto the pathway. Their names were Fiddle and Diddle, and Christopher learned that they too were going to the evergreen wood. Why did you climb over the wall, he questioned, instead of entering in at the narrow gate? Oh, that's way too far, said Fiddle. So we took a shortcut. Christopher was concerned. But but it says in the book, he explained, that there is only one way to reach the evergreen wood, and that is to keep upon the straight and narrow path. Fiddle and Diddle looked at each other with a twinkle in their sharp eyes. Well, we're on it, aren't we? They laughed. Presently, they came to the foot of a very steep hill. Around it were two other pathways. One turned to the right, and the other to the left. But the narrow way led straight up the hill. Christopher kept his eyes on the way ahead, and he started up the hillside. But Fiddle and Diddle had no intention whatever of tiring themselves out by climbing the hill. They followed what they thought to be easier ways. One took the path to the right, and the other took the path to the left. They were never seen again. After climbing halfway up the hill on his hands and knees, Christopher was at the point of exhaustion when he discovered a little mossy nest lying among a clump of marigolds. He eagerly climbed in to rest a little. He took out his book and he began to read, but his eyelids were heavy, and before long, he fell into a deep sleep. The sun sank low in the sky, and a chilly breeze blew over the hillside. 
Christopher awoke with a start. Oh, dear, he moaned. I didn't mean to fall asleep. I don't want to be left on this hillside in the dark. So he got up all in a rush and he scrambled up the hill. When he reached the top, two field mice named Quiver and Quake came running down to meet him. What's the matter, Christopher cried. Why are you running the wrong way? Ah, me, squeaked Quiver. The further we go, the more danger we meet. What danger, asked Christopher. Hawks, squeaked Quake. Great hawks on the pathway, just waiting. We've had enough, cried Quiver. We're going home. And they ran back down the hill. Christopher was beginning to panic. Oh, what shall I do, he asked himself. I can't go back. The dark wood is to be destroyed. I must reach the safety of the evergreen wood. He felt in his pocket for his book that he might read some words of comfort. But it was missing. Oh, no, he groaned in dismay. How can I go on without my book? Then he remembered falling asleep while reading it on the hillside. He ran back down the hill to the place where the marigolds grew, and he climbed again into the little nest where he'd carelessly fallen asleep. And there, among the moss, lay his precious book. As he climbed back up the hill, he sighed to think that he had trod that path three times when he need only have trod it once. How far, mighty, mighty I have been by now, complained Christopher, if I had not spent the day sleeping. When he reached the top again, the moon had already risen. It was too dark to read now. He remembered the story that the field mice had told him, and he shivered. Oh, what shall I do if I meet the hawks in the dark? He thought gloomily. As he crept cautiously along, looking all about him, he came upon a great oak tree standing in a beautiful garden. A bright light shone down from a window at the top of the tree. I'll knock and ask if I can spend the night in the safety of the garden, thought Christopher. But as he hurried toward the garden gate, he suddenly stopped and his face grew pale. Ahead of him, sentinel-like by the gatepost, sat the hawks. Christopher hesitated, and as he did, he heard a voice calling to him. Fear not, it said. Keep to the middle of the path and no harm shall come to you. Trembling from head to tail, the little mouse tiptoed along the path, making sure that he walked in the very center of it. Keeping his eyes straight ahead and not daring even to look right or left, he crept past the hawks and he reached the garden gate in safety. Well done! said Mervyn Mole, who kept watch by the garden gate. It was he who had encouraged Christopher to go on. See, the birds are tethered, he chuckled. They're only there to test your courage. Well, I never, said Christopher in amazement. Who'd have thought it? Then he asked, if Mer he asked Mervyn if he might spend the night in the garden. Well, we'll see what the ladies have to say about that, said the Mole, and he rang the bell, which hung on the garden gate. A door opened at the foot of the great oak tree, and a pretty red squirrel looked out. 
Her name was Beauty, and when she learned who Christopher was and where he was going, she ran and fetched her sisters, Ginger, Flame, and Honey. The squirrels insisted that Christopher should be their guest and invited him to spend the night at the top of the great oak tree. Fortunately, there was a staircase inside. Christopher was not in the habit of climbing to the top of oak trees. At the head of the stairs stood a stout oak door. Ginger flung it open and the animals stepped into a snug little parlor. A log fire cracked merrily in the hearth and over it hung a steaming cauldron of blackberry tea, while from the cinders beneath there arose the delicious smell of roasting chestnuts. After a hearty meal, Christopher curled up on the parlor floor near the warmth of the fire. The sweet oaken smell made him drowsy, and the trials of the day slipped away. While he slept, the squirrel set to work, making some useful garments for his difficult journey ahead. From the parlor window the next morning, they showed Christopher the cedar grove. When you reach the grove, Beauty said, you will be able to see the gates of the evergreen wood. Then they presented their gifts. Dear Christopher, said Ginger, please accept this breastplate. It will help you from the, protect you from the enemy that lies ahead. And wear this helmet, said Flame. It will help save you from your enemy. And with this shield, said Honey, you will be able to fend off his fierce attacks. And this sword, said Beauty, used with wisdom and courage, will bring you victory. When Christopher put the armor on, he suddenly did feel brave and full of courage for whatever dangers he might meet on the way ahead. Chapter 4 The Black Valley Beauty, Ginger, and Flame, and Honey accompanied Christopher down into the Black Valley on the other side of the hill. They kissed him goodbye and gave him some fresh acorns to eat on the way. Keep your sword in your hand, said Beauty. Then you will be ready for whatever lies ahead. And very soon, Christopher discovered just what did lie ahead. For sprawled out across the path, barring his way, lay a huge wildcat. His striped coat was torn and ragged, and one of his ears was missing. He got up and he stretched himself when he saw Christopher approach. Where are you going, mouse? He drawled, surveying Christopher with his cold, amber eyes. Ah, 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 I'm going to the uh, evergreen wood, stammered Christopher. Really? said the cat, and at the end of his tail twitched as if he were annoyed. Do you know that this valley belongs to me and that I do not like creatures passing through my valley? I, I didn't know replied Christopher. The, 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 the b- 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 path leads this w- 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 way. The path also leads back to where you've come from, spat the wildcat, revealing his long, sharp fangs. Christopher gripped his sword. I'm not going back, he said boldly. 
The cat cuffed him around the head, knocking him over. For a moment, Christopher thought of turning around and running back to the great oak tree where the squirrels lived. But then he remembered that he did not have any armor on his back to protect him. He stood up, trying very hard to be brave. Then, taking courage, he lunged at the cat with his sword. The cat leapt clear, screeching with anger, and then he turned and set upon the mouse, knocking the sword out of his hand. Christopher fell to the ground, cut and bleeding. He almost gave up, and he wept pitifully. The cat was preparing to pounce again. Christopher roused himself just in time, and while crouching behind his shield, he managed to catch a hold of his sword again. This time, he held it in both paws, and he lashed out desperately with all of his might. It sliced through the air, cutting off the tip of the cat's tail. The wildcat screamed out in pain and fury and then ran off at great speed across the valley. Christopher lay on the ground, wounded and exhausted. The stream of living waters flowed through the valley, although its banks were overgrown with thorns and briars. Christopher hacked his way through and he bathed his wounds in the cool water. He was healed immediately. He sat down. He ate some of the acorns that the squirrels had given him, and he thought. He thought about the dreadful fight with the wildcat and wondered at his own courage, courage which had enabled him to triumph over his enemy. He considered, too, that without the aid and assistance of beauty, ginger, flame, and honey, he would most certainly have had to turn back for he would have stood no chance of victory against the wildcat with his armor. Christopher hurried on. A blanket of thick black clouds hung overhead, and the ground grew soft and boggy. He tripped once or twice on clumps of deer grass that grew in the waterlogged valley. The pathway, at least leading to higher ground, had become a narrow ledge cut precariously into the rocky hillside. He left his cumbersome sword and his armor in the valley, and he stumbled on into the gloom. Here and there, the path had almost crumbled away, forcing him to hang on to tufts of white sedge and purple heather which grew out of the rock to save himself from slipping into the bog. Then he began to hear noises, strange Eerie sounds pierced the blackness. Fluttering, ghostly shapes in the air came within a whisker of him and then darted off again. Screams and screeches fell about him in a nightmare of terror. Christopher crept into a cleft on the hillside and tried to hide. He lay there trembling, striving to shut out the horrors of the Black Valley and wondering whether he had the courage to go on. How long he lay there, he could not tell. Perhaps hours. Eventually, the morning sun found a break in the clouds and chased the creatures of the night back to their shadowy hideouts. The sunlight filled Christopher with new hope. He read some of the words in his book until he felt 
strong enough to go on. And then as he stood up, he heard a voice ahead of him singing, Even though I walk alone through the black valley far from home, on this way I shall not fear, hardship soon will disappear, and at last I shall be safe. When I reach that wondrous place, Christopher called out, Hey, wait for me! And he ran as best he could without falling until he came upon the traveler. He was surprised to find his countryman, Woodley Woodmouse. Why, Woodley, Christopher shouted, what are you doing here? Christopher, cried Woodley in great excitement, I was hoping to meet you. But, but how did you get here? asked Christopher. I left the dark wood soon after you. It, it didn't seem the same somehow after you left, explained Woodley, and his soft brown eyes filled with sorrow. I, I knew you were right about leaving. It just took me a little longer to make up my mind. Christopher smiled. Well, you're ahead of me now, so you must have overtaken me at some time, he said. Is there any news from home? Yes, I have a letter for you, said Woodley, rummaging in his pocket. Your wife, Christina, gave it to me before I left. Christopher spread the crumpled letter out on the pathway, and he read it eagerly. Dear Christopher, the children and I are very lonely without you. We are sorry now that we did not accompany you on your journey to the Evergreen Wood, but we are planning to set off ourselves just as soon as we can. The white mouse tells us that we have to wait for somebody called the knight. I think he is some kind of trained guide. Anyway, the children are excited about it all and are looking forward to being together again forever, as I am, dear husband. Yours, Christina. And that's the end of chapter four. And we're going to say good night now. Would you like to say good night, Benjamin? Good night. Good night, Avery. I think Avery has fallen asleep. Good night. Join us again next time for more adventures in the Evergreen Wood.